The following program was produced by a community producer. The content, views, and opinions expressed are the sole responsibility of the community producer and do not reflect Malden Access Television, the City of Malden, or your cable provider. MATV welcomes your comments. Call us at 781-321-6400 or email us at access at matv.org. Thanks, Claire. Hello, everyone, uh, and welcome back to O2148, and I am your host, John Matheson. With me today, we have some uh, guests that I'm really excited to introduce. We've got Bob Doolittle from Friends of Felsmere Heights, a great organization here in Malden, and Shanine Peliquin. Shanine, Bob, say hi to the folks at home. Hello. Shanine also. Friends of Felsmere Heights. Friends of Felsmere Heights as well. Both of us. Uh, Shanine's got lots of Malden connections and actually lives in Medford, which uh, illustrates how this group does span the two communities. Um, I'm gonna, not going to tell their story. I'm going to let them tell their story. But I do want to finish welcoming you back. And I want to thank the uh, co-hosts of this show, former Mayor Ed Lucy, uh, Mike... Um, oh, what am I drawing a blank on? Mike, we've got Jerry Leone, and we've got Mike Sharon. Um, sorry about that, Mike, but uh, I'll be on your show next week, and you can, uh, and you can get me back then. Um, and with that said, I'm going to turn things over to uh, our great guests. Uh, Bob, do you want to you kick things off? Yeah, I'm happy to be here and to sing the song of Friends of Felsmere Heights. We're a residence group from Medford and Malden, and where does the word Felsmere Heights come from? Well, there's Felsmere Pond, that's one neighborhood near the Malton Hospital site, and there's Fulton Heights. That's another neighborhood. If you put them together, you get Felsmere Heights. <laughs> Makes sense to me. We want to be Medford and Malden, uh, dancing together, but more joining battle together. Um, the group got started when we were aware that the 18 acres, uh, nothing was happening. We began to want to do things, and all of a sudden, a developer arrived who wanted to put a massive housing project in there, in, and both cities are substantially overdeveloped. Everybody feels it. We're all being squeezed. Sure. And so this, p these people got a purchase and sale from what's now called Melrose Wakefield Healthcare to buy it. Yep. Formerly and Hallmark Health. Formerly Hallmark Health. That's Hallmark how Health. the folks back home would know the owner of the, the land there, sure. Mm -hmm. So when I saw that they were gearing up, one counselor said to make maybe a half a million a month off of some property that the people sorely need. It just got me angry. I'm a peaceable guy, <laughs> but I wanted to join the battle, and I've been in it ever since, since uh, 1914. And so what got you in? Uh, I'm interested in public space and communities, and I found out that there was this opportunity to build a new park on the other side of my neighborhood. and. Um, I just went to an information meeting and we brainstormed and the idea that we could have something really new that I could walk to that could be between both communities because I've worked in both communities for yeah. about 15 years. So uh, right. um, it was a great way to, to see people from, from my previous work in Malden and get to know new neighbors and 
and advocate for kids, which we'll talk more about later. I think it's safe to say that the future of this site could either benefit or burden both communities. Definitely. And it could be a really tremendous resource if we were to uh, to add some open space. I know Malden right. has got the fifth least open space per capita in the state of Massachusetts, mm -hmm. uh, we've been told. And uh, I think that that's very provocative. And uh, clearly there's a demand for some more open space. Right. We've heard that in the ballot question. We've heard that in the community survey. I know you've had a petition, Bob, where you've got 1,000 signatures, no small feat. And you were instrumental in having the uh, Community Preservation Act passed. In both communities at the same time. Both communities at the same yeah. time, which is laudable. Not, not easily done, by the way. Uh, how many signatures are required for that? 10,000 or so? 1,500. 1,500 signatures, so signatures for, yeah. the, for the referendum to go on the ballot? To go on the ballot. Okay. So, uh, and we've passed that here. In Actually, that's how I met you. You live in my community, and you came around with a petition. <laughs> I'm a Ward 3 guy. <laughs> I'm a Ward 3 guy. But yep. I want to say that the voice of the people, which is what we want to be at Friends of Felsmere Heights, has so far, the development has not gone forward. And it hasn't I, gone forward because they can't get the Malden City Council to give them the zoning variance to do what they want to do. Yeah. So, so well, far, right. so, in particular. So, so far, right now, so it's good. either supposed to be a hospital or it's supposed to be single family housing. And there wouldn't be that many single family houses, so a developer wouldn't think it's worth it. Right. And then this big development would require the zoning change. That's right. That's right. And the zoning change does require the consent of the neighborhood. Uh, through the ward councillor, and I'm the ward councillor of that area, and uh, that's something that we've been fighting the good fight on for quite a while now. Mm -hmm. I want to say that both councils have, have played a very significant role in stopping this development from going forward. And your counterpart, Debbie D. Maria, yep. who's a uh, councillor at, at large, she says um, about you... Mm -hmm. uh, good things, I hope. She said... He's been a bulldog. He <laughs> got a hold of this issue. He got a hold of this, and he wouldn't let go. And she says, and I'm so glad that he did. And she said something else, that, that in the back corridors of the Malden City Council, the word uh -oh. is supporting that development is political suicide. And that's just what we hoped that they would feel, mm -hmm. and they do feel that way. So, that's, so on the Malden side, that's how the stoppage has worked. Yep. How about the Medford side? Um, the Medford Ad Hoc Committee, which is Councillors Lungo Cohn, um, Scarpelli, and John Falco, mm -hmm. um, was formed about three-ish years ago, and they started meeting and brainstorming and hearing from neighbors, and, and they also are affected by this, whether um, their, neighbor, their actual neighbors in the neighborhood or they are, live in a, streets that would be affected by the traffic. Mm -hmm. um, so they really care about it uh, for them, for their own families as well. Right. And then, I don't know, we were kind of waiting for, Med, or for Malden to say, no, we're not going to approve this. Yes, we're going to approve this and see where we could fit. Um, but then we've been working together with this joint ad hoc committee, which Bob will talk more about. Well, yeah. the way that got started... Um, we had a model. There's over in Medford an ad hoc committee delegated by the council to make sure that the something good happens for the community, not for the for private private use, made for public use. And so, again, this guy uh, initiated a twin organization, the Malden Ad Hoc, and secondly initiated that the two would become partners, a joint ad hoc committee, and that that would be. Uh, the, the, like the political home for the decision-making about what happens up there 
on the Malden Hospital. Well, that was the hope. And um, I know from experience that great things happen when people work together. And to have an ad hoc committee on Malden Hospital site development in Malden and Medford and to have them meet jointly uh, can only produce good results. Right. I realize that it never happens fast enough for people's liking in government, right, no matter what the issue is. But I can tell you that everyone's hearts and heads are are in the right place here, Mm -hmm. trying to achieve some good things. And we've got some pretty important people serving in these committees. So uh, John Falco uh, lives in the Fulton Heights community. Yep. And he's the president of the Medford City Council this year, I believe. And uh, is Brianna Kern uh, running for mayor over there? Yep. Yeah, I heard that as well. Uh, they're great people to work with, as well as uh, George. And George uh, was on the recreation subcommittee when when Mayor Burke took over. Mm-hmm. So he um, he's been really involved in the the process of getting this recreation department started. So that's going to play a role as well. Great, wonderful. So I'm glad we got that out there to uh, let the folks know that we're uh, we're working on this, and we did approve a mission statement that your group had brought to us. Um, that that essentially said what, Bob? That we're going to work together. I brought it. Okay. <laughs> this is the one this is the one uh, episode that I didn't have to do any prep for because I know I had the right guests here that had plenty to talk about and they were going to they were going to take it away. So, Bob, go ahead. Let's right, let's talk about it. This is a proposed mission statement from the Malden Ad Hoc to its twin the Medford Ad Hoc and it's the the dynamic is still unfolding. So, so you're there uh, as this story is unfolding, and, and, it's, and it goes like this. Mission statement of the joint ad hocs. To generate for our respective councils, mayors, and citizens a comprehensive community-based plan and funding strategy for the Malden Hospital land, embodying the needs and wishes of our two communities, bringing residents together in an effort to bring that plan to fruition. Perfect. Can I, amen. Can't say better than that. So, but so it's in the air and it's been lobbed back. It's gone back and forth a little bit for a final okay from the Medford ad hoc, and then it's going to be able to hit the ground running. Yeah. Um, but I'd like to to move to something that FOFH has done this past year, and then come back to the ad hoc. Please do. Yep. Um, We're in your hands. Well, I was wondering if I'm not sure that if all of the viewers know about the land itself. That it's you want to give us some history? A little bit. Um, yeah. I'd like you to start with the, the history of the park. But right now, the land itself is 18 acres. Mm-hmm. 20% of it is on Medford land, and the other 80% is on Malden land. Yep. We've heard at some point that the land might have been 50-50 before the hospital was In built. In the 30s, it was. It was it was originally donated 50-50. Okay. But the hospital needed to, to yeah, it's a funny make it clear if you were born at the hospital... Were you born in Medford or Malden? Right, as opposed to like you're in room 30 and you're born in Medford and you're in room 32 and you're in Malden at the first certificate. So they moved (laughs) the line so that it was, and that's the only reason the line was moved. So so there's something, there's some history there that that it's really a 50-50 deal. We'll we'll come back to that some other day. Yeah. yeah. Um, And so there's also, uh, there's a nursing home nearby, right? Glen Ridge. And then the Hallmark Health, well, whatever it's now there's a Hallmark Family Health Family Center, Health Center. Yep, has doctor's um, offices in it and yep. a bus route is already up there's there a bus route there yep with and some open space wouldn't it be a wonderful place right. I think for seniors to live mm-hmm. yeah absolutely and there are two buildings the boiler building and the nurses dormitory right that have that uh, the hospital itself is got to go it's Demo- just demolition time in too rough a shape it's in very mm-hmm. along with we, we x-ray chemicals and, and all sorts and of unknown that conclusion yep but the but the boiler building and the nurses residents uh, 
are both sturdy enough so that they could be community serving facilities. And so, so do you want anything more about the history? The hospital? Um, no, maybe about the park. Well, the hospital was donated, the land was donated for the good of the community. Yeah, that's where I, I wanted to, that's where I wanted to go with this. served the community beautifully for 100 years. That's right. But it was donated for like a dollar, right? Or the uh, first mayor, uh, Mayor Elijah Converse, uh, as well as another uh, large landowner up there, right? Uh, uh, Chandler, I believe it was, uh, donated uh, parcels of land that comprised the whole. Okay. Um, and our mayor, uh, Elijah Converse, had donated a lot to this community, including the Malden Public Library, including Fellsmere Park and Pond. Mm -hmm. um, and he had the Boston Rubber Shoe Company here uh, on the Malden River. Back including in the day. Pine Banks? Yeah, exactly. No, I mean, this isn't an exhaustive list. I mean, this man was a saint. Uh, by anyone's analysis, um, and um, and the fact that that he donated it to benefit the community, I believe and you believe, uh, means that we have a stake in the future right. of this land. It shouldn't just be owned by private interests that aim to profit. Nothing wrong with profit seeking. Nothing wrong with private enterprise. Right. And There's something wrong housing. with this location for right. those pursuits. And high density housing is a solution to population growth, and like it's it, it needs to happen in smart ways, but to to close off what could be open space in perpetuity is just, it's not the right spot. You're right. Exactly. Yep. Yep. And that's what I said to the developers because I don't dismiss anyone out of hand. I take my role as city councilor very seriously. So regardless of what at first blush I might think of a project or the residents might think of a project, I give everyone their sit down time. I hear mm -hmm. them out. I hear their proposal, give them an opportunity to, to work and discuss these things. And we had done this for over a period of a couple of years, uh, several meetings, including community meetings. Yeah. And the city With was the very generous. We even donated, uh, you know, the space and the mailers to bring the community together. And it was repeatedly rejected and not by any close margin i mean by overwhelming right. <laughs> margins 80 20 landslide margins so i mean at this point as a counselor it became very clear to me that the private development was the wrong track mm -hmm. and that open space had to be part of the solution and the fact that the residents voted themselves a tax increase through the CPA in both communities. It's a surcharge on the tax. It's not a tax increase. Yep. Well, people, <laughs> well no, no, no. I'm, I'm not saying that to uh, disparage it whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, what I am saying is some people are paying more taxes right. now than they did before. Exactly. And they voted that for themselves in order to have a funding mechanism to be part of the solution at this site, above and beyond the other good causes that it could go to. Yeah. This was one of the driving forces, maybe the quintessential driving force behind that CPA passage, at least here in Malden. Right. Yeah. And Friends of Felsner Heights uh, went all out uh, in both cities for, the, C for the CPA. And so, so that became, uh, that year, God bless you guys. that was all that we did. But I'd like to tell you a little bit more context for what the citizens of Malden are saying. Um, there was a moratorium on development. Yep. And then there was a survey that was done uh, to, to see what people felt about stopping development. 80% of Marlin residents wanted increased open space and, right. and no more development. That's right. And then uh, there was another survey, which was the open space survey. Same result. 80% of the people of Malden said no more development. We, we're... we're Starved for open space. That's right. So that's the, the larger context of. You know what I'd like to add to that? I mean, 
besides the fact that there were two surveys that came back consistent, really tells right. you something about how the margin of error here is, is really negligible. Mm -hmm. um, but when we did the open space survey and we asked people, which parks do you use? The two that had the most usage entirely within the city of Malden, setting aside Pine Banks, which is huge and spans two communities right. and has its own funding source and its own commission. But of the city parks, it was it was Felsmere Park and it was Amherst Park, the two that are right mm. next to that hospital inn that had the most use. And if you go if you go by there during city peak wide. hours, citywide, go by there during peak hours. There are cars parked, you know, everywhere spanning that park. There's soccer being played. There's kids in the tot lot. There's tennis being played. Right. Basketball being played. There's people picnicking up in the hill. It's beautiful, right? But it shows that there is an organic demand for more park space. We're not adding it where it's not needed because we like the idea of open space. We're adding it where it is needed and where the residents said, please do this for us. Right. That is the goal of government. That's that's why they elected me. That's why I'm being paid. And I say that to my counselors all the time. I'm like, folks, the tough work is why we're here. This is why we're here. You know, we're, we're not here to pat each other on the a, back. A bulldog. <laughs> Well, when I give them that little speech, I think sometimes it, it, it has an effect. So, yeah. you know. And it is not just a Ward 3. I'm telling people say, well, that'll benefit John's people in Ward 3. The people that come to Amherst, the people that come to, to the pond, it's all the people. I mean, that, that's everybody's open space. You know, I, I don't want to take the, the, the platform away from you here, but can I just say that the naysayers and the people that didn't want to see what we're working on work out. The people mm -hmm. that wanted the private development. And there is a, there is a segment of that, right? Which um, is valid. Yeah, okay, yeah. People are entitled to their wrong opinions. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, what, what, what disturbed me was they would go to the public meetings and they would say, folks, you know, uh, I'm not telling you what to do, but you better accept these, uh, these apartments because guess what? 40B is coming and they're going to throw affordable housing up there, whether you like it or not. They're going to circumvent your zoning. It's going to be even worse than you ever thought. Right. I mean, that was a scare tactic and it wasn't even legitimate. So I fought to have MAPC do uh, gross land area analysis. And this okay. was something the city wasn't even interested in looking into. But I said, you know, this MAPC is. Yep. So th this is a group that there's a quasi governmental group that helps communities do studies about uh, housing needs. Right. So we were doing it's a metro area planning council. Right. Yes, exactly. Didn't want to use acronyms. For... Fair enough. Th thank you. <laughs> you can come on every episode and help me out with this stuff. I, oh, well, that's a sincere offer, by right? the way. But uh, but yeah. So, you know, they were, they were going to do a housing needs analysis mm -hmm. for the city of Malden. Right. To see if we needed more apartments or open space and things of that nature. And I said, well, how about the gross land area? Because 40B says there's two ways you can qualify for affordable housing uh, standpoint, right? You can have 10% of your housing stock devoted to affordable housing. We have the 10%, but because of the new market rate apartments, we might fall below that after the next census. Okay. The other way to, to comply and, and meet one of the safe harbors is to have 1.5% of your habitable land devoted to affordable housing. And they weren't going to do this analysis. And the people in government weren't even asking them to. But I said, hey, look, we keep getting threatened over at Malden Hospital about this 40B issue. Do the gross land area analysis. So we have and Barbara answer. Murphy, to her credit, joined me on this. And we did get a vote of the council. I don't, want to, I don't want to neglect anyone. I love to share credit. They just came back. Malden has 3.1% of its habitable land devoted to affordable housing. And we, what was the minimum? 1.5 was okay. the threshold. Most communities don't meet that. Uh, Stoneham just had to go to court and they didn't meet it. But my point is this. 
Malden is doing its fair share. And, and I'd be okay with having some more affordable housing. I'm not saying no. What I am saying is the scare tactic that was trying to force the wrong type of housing on our community over the objections of the people was the wrong way to go about it. And we caught them in the act. We're, we're, that's no longer going right. to be a threat that's hanging over our heads. 40B, folks. Uh, very, very important. It might sound a little complicated. I'll write a white paper on it and put it on my website. Great. So the courts cannot take away the city's ability to, to control say, its own to zoning, to control its zoning. own zone so, destiny. So that everyone can breathe, breathe a little easier. Yeah. Breathe a, a sigh of relief. All right, that's it. I'm going to shut up now. I want you <laughs> to do some more talking because well, I love what you guys have to say. Um, on the Medford side, we've got We've got a lot of open space. I'm actually on the open space committee, and we're wrapping up right now. So if you go to the Medford uh, website and go to the community development Office of Community Development page, they've got the draft open space plan, and I think public comment ends in the next week or two. I mm -hmm. should know this, and I don't. Um, it's okay. But we're having our next public meeting on May 1st, so it's Wednesday night, May 1st, and that'll be the big kind of final reveal of of the plan that the community has come together with MAPC actually to right. do. And um, it's been really interesting to look at the um, the open space throughout the city and figure out where there are um, hot spots. They're doing a, even a climate resilience lens to this open space plan this year, which is cool. And an open space plan has to be done every seven years mm -hmm. so that uh, municipalities can be eligible to, um, to apply for and right, like nature, particular yeah. federal and state grants as well as other nonprofit type grants. Yep. Um, and it helps set the priorities for the next seven years. So if you have a park that needs to be redone, it needs to be on the open space plan in order to be considered eligible. And uh, we've been looking at environmental justice areas, whether because of language or income or um, ability or age um, that are there might be concentrated neighborhoods who might be more affected by climate change, yep. um, whether flooding or urban heat zones, et cetera. And there are environmental justice populations that could walk to um, to Felsmere Heights okay. if that became um, a, a piece of a park, a piece of open right. land. And the only other open space in that in that neighborhood of Fulton Heights is Car Park, which is a very different kind of space than this community vision has been coming together. Right. Um, and it's, you know, a playground which is going to be on the priority list to be redone yeah. and some ball fields and basketball and tennis but um and is also very heavily used in the neighborhood but the other side uh, um kind of murray hill to Ful fulton spring road etc over there yeah. um doesn't have a really walkable park so this would be a tremendous addition to our side of the neighborhood as well yeah absolutely great so being part of the open space plan mm -hmm. means that when it comes time for looking for state funding or federal funding, we're eligible. Right. I mean, Malden Hospital is uh -huh. not on because it's not it's, it's not, not, a, thing, not open right? space right now. Um, but but we um, did make sure that that was put in as a as a contextual thing that the city needs to be considering yes. right. in their planning that yep. this this development might happen that there there's some history there. Yep. So. Yep. Claire, how are we doing on the microphones? Can you folks hear us okay over there? Yeah. Wonderful. Okay. Um, so, Bob, oh, you had something to say. I don't want to cut you off, but I, I just I want to thank you for working with me all these years because, you know, you have your folks that you're talking to. I have mo my folks that I'm talking to. And then you and I come together. And, and what we do is we we forge a meeting of the minds. And that's easier said than done. But Bob has been an incredible guy to work with. I hope that, you know, I've done my part well uh, as well. 
Um, well, to be candid, for yeah. a while, <laughs> no, oh, no, for I don't a while, think... the people's voice. I was looking for simple agreement, Bob. <laughs> we're, we're, we're flying along this way, and the Wad Three counselor and his people were flying along this way, but we were very independent, distinct outfits. But then we discovered that we're kind of flying in the same direction. Yes, and so we started to. So, particularly with this, the ad hoc. Um, the forming of the ad hoc committees that helped us and so all on. come together. The collaboration between mm -hmm. we've been doing better. Well, and one of the things that that has come along recently was, you know, we, we're looking at, you know, how can the CPAs fund the improvement and things of that nature? And I said, well, you know, before we get too specific about what's going to happen up there, let's keep our options open and let's look for the funding on the open space side. And Bob, your folks, you know, you're very energetic and 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 you and you want to talk about what could be up there. And I, and I was resisting that at first because I didn't want to get locked into specifics. But you know what? I went to your visioning. I, I met with your folks, and we were talking about what could happen up there. And you had the Boston Architectural College working with you. And I really started getting excited about it. And I know your folks did, too. And, and right. that's where we really started. That's what we hoped would happen. Was coming. That's where I think Medford, is, the initial conversation was like, Malden's going to get all the tax benefit from this giant development, and Medford's going to get all the traffic. Because people are coming, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, and so, but we can't just have it be about like not, not having extra traffic in those roads, which is important itself. Oh yes. And that's what most of the it's a huge beginning meeting meetings were were right. about. But if you can get people to grab onto a vision, yeah. which I'm, Bob is great about talking about. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, we can then. talk about that. Absolutely. So let me tell you what FOFH has been doing, almost exclusively over the last year. Um, we were awarded, let me get the language right, mm -hmm. a gateway initiative partnership with the Boston Architectural College, mm -hmm. okay. which is to say that they are going to put together options, three options, for community use of the hospital land that combines a balance of open space uh, and of, like I said, using those two, those two buildings, facility, community use facilities in some kind of a balance, they're going to put together, the, they've been studying in the course of the year, um, three options to bring to the Joint Ad Hoc uh, Committee yep. uh, and to submit to, to them. And I want to tell you a little bit um, about them. Um, yeah, get the folks at home a little excited about it, what could that's, be. Uh, and this is going to be, their options are going to be unveiled um, within several months, I, was, I can't be specific yet about that. But the but the information is coming from the survey that all of you did. So, right, that's right. We've, so Malden and Medford uh, residents were given a survey that the BAC put together based well, on friends put it together. Yep. Okay, they requested friends put it together. Right. Yep. They requested it a, a survey about what people want to see happen up there. Right. And right. we got a lot of input. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, almost 500 people took the survey, and and just a little tip of the hat to. To Medford, uh, you've got an edge on us. But more Medford people right. than Malden people <laughs> took the survey. So the so the input from the survey will drive the options that the Boston Right, they're not imposing anything. They're taking the community information right. and and giving it back to us in yep. a very yeah. And, and even then, we're not locked in. It's a fluid no. process. Right. It's yep. being proposed, and I'll say more about that for a second. But one thing about this survey that makes it, um, if I can brag about it for a second, um, is, away. For, is that unlike the moratorium survey and the open space survey, 
which was just Malden. This is Medford and Malden. And unlike both of those surveys, which are general about the city, this specifically focuses on what do people want to see with that piece of, of property. Right. So it's particularly useful for the, for the proposing um, that uh, the, the BAC is going to do. So then the question comes, where does this proposal land? Who is going to, no pun intended, who's going to make, the, who are the decision makers um, who are going to take this proposal and work with it? And the answer to that question is the joint ad hoc committee yeah. of, of, of Malden and Malden will Malden receive Malden. it. And their job then, if you, if you got the language from the mission statement, uh -huh. is to come up with a comprehensive plan, attractive to both cities, that satisfy everything that they've heard because they're going to not just hear from the the friends of Felsmere Heights and the and the BAC proposal but they're going to hear from others and then from that put together a comprehensive plan to bring to the mayor two mayors to bring to the two councils mm -hmm. to bring to the communities mm -hmm. so you see there's a dance going on and that is between the two cities uh, and to to ultimately create something that will be exciting for everybody Bob loves to say that there's a dance going on. Uh, <laughs> it's good. It's good. Uh, can, can and I, sometimes it has felt more like a battle, as he said earlier, than others. Yeah, but but yeah. there's more dancing happening now. Yeah, yeah. Well, when you're, you know, it's it's a it's a it's a labor of passion, you know, and it's not always going to be fun. It takes people that are willing to right. dedicate their time and their energy and and their heart to yeah. something that they want to improve their community by. And uh, I know that's where you're coming from. That's where I'm coming from. So it should be fun. And there's a kind of a, a, a united enthusiasm that we're feeling and cultivating um, because as, as time goes on, we're going to need people in both cities to work together yeah. to find the funding. Yep. To, once the plan is put together, to find the funding, to Im implement it, and then to enjoy it. For generations to come. But let's face it, you're going to need the support of the mayors as well. It's not right. its not something that you meet with some councilors that get together on a Tuesday night and they say, yeah, we like what you have. You're going to need the mayors. Right. Um, can I can I hear some of the ideas the community had? I'd like to throw a couple out. So, cause well, I, I think the base plan is this, this 16 and 2 idea. Is that still? Well, that's friends. I don't, uh, so I'm, I'm not in a position now to reveal anything because guess what? I don't know. About what has come up from, right. the, from the from the survey, but I just want to talk about some of the things that I heard. Okay, um, you know, like a lookout tower, you know, because yeah. you have this beautiful vista of Boston, amazing view, and yet you don't have that in a lot of places, not communities. Right. But we are blessed to have a great location in Metro North. Right, watching the Fourth of July fireworks up there. Oh, I know, would be wonderful. Right. Yeah, yeah. So I, I would love to be able to uh, have a place where you could go mm -hmm. uh, get a beautiful view of Boston. Um, Botanical garden. I heard botanical garden. Wouldn't it be nice if you had some flowering plants up there? This time of year, I'm driving around the community. And I'm not saying it all has to be that. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not saying any of it has to be that. I, I would love to leave this to the future of the community to decide what they want their community to look like. Yeah. Um, 30 minutes, I'm seeing. So we're moving right along, folks. This I knew this was going to be a very engaging conversation. But uh, I'm, I'm driving along, and whether it's... Uh, whether it's the Davenport House or some of the tree-lined streets that have the non-fruit-bearing um, pear trees or what have you, yeah. or the cherry trees down at Fellsmere Pond. It's absolutely gorgeous this time of year. For a week or two, you've got all these blossoming trees. 
and plants, and I just I find it spectacular. And and what a what, it just has this calming effect on me. And when you live in this urban environment with all this concrete and asphalt, right. uh, it just would be so nice to have more of that, so we could feel in touch with nature yeah. and have that and grow our appreciation for nature. Right. Um, when I started skiing, I started skiing later in life, but it became a real passion of mine. Mm -hmm. People said, what do you love about skiing? And it wasn't like, oh, I want to, I want to break the sound barrier. <laughs> I, I, I love the nature. I love like the snow-covered trees. And then in the spring and the birds are coming out and just feeling the sun on my skin and the wind around me. I just, it must be like how people enjoy, you know, being on a bike or a motorcycle or something like that. It just makes me feel alive and my worries melt away and I feel at peace with the world. Yeah. And, and that's what nature does for me. And if it's within yeah. our power, we should protect our nature and, and, and accentuate our nature, you know, within reason, mm -hmm. right? But uh, this is just a great opportunity to do it. All right, I'm dominating the conversation. Back well, I was going to say, people feel it. If you've been outside for any length of time, you yeah. feel it. But then there's also, like, really great research that backs up what, no matter how old we are, yeah. the decreased stress and anxiety right. and the... Um, like health impacts and all yes. sorts of things. So the mental um, health, the mental yeah. health piece of, well, of having physical. access. I even, think physical even too. Even kids who have trees outside their windows at school do yeah. better than kids who are facing. Get a out of town. No, it's I'm serious. <laughs> it's it's really remarkable stuff. Oh wow! Um, I believe it. I'll try I, to look it up. It was grad school. Yeah, yeah. Research. No, I'm um, a trust but verify guy. <laughs> but but in my gut, I yeah, believe that. Right. Um, so the research backs up exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. And, um, yeah, wonderful. No, great point. So I want, I think when we've had the community charrettes, when we brainstormed, there's, mm -hmm. there's a, a mix of people wanting passive recreation opportunities, active recreation opportunities, but also places to be, be part of a group to, to yeah. gather, whether it's, um, a community center type thing or a place yeah. where you might have your bar mitzvah or your wedding shower yeah. or whatever um, to celebrate with the fireworks. Right. Uh, right. And, and to be able to access the pond below as well. So Bring neighbors together. Exactly. Meet your neighbor. Mm -hmm. That's something and that... And it doesn't, this town boundary thing. I, I grew up on the West Coast. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, but I've been working in, this, in these two communities for 15 years. And the I, this whole idea of the the towny line is just it's funny to me so maybe that's why well, this is a i know i know we've got we've crowd. got one of the oldest rivalries I, sports rivalries and sports history I know, right my the kids Maldivet. are gonna go to medford high in, school and i'm gonna get into it but. so our kids grew up with this <laughs> oh medford you know but yeah. i mean as we mature into adults i mean we do, do respect we? we love each other do we well <laughs> i think most of us do i did the rivals turned into allies that's and coming. now we've got, I mean, coming. this joint ad hoc committee, right? Like, yeah. it'd be funny to let you all. Well, like, Medford invited me talk. to do their debates when I was council president. I, I, I moderated the debates for the mayor, right? Mm -hmm. they, this was their first time electing a mayor in 24 years. I moderated those debates. And the city council is. They had a whole yeah. lot of people running. Because I know it's a it's an at-large system you have over there, not ward-based. And, um, yep. and I moderated those <laughs> debates. I was honored that they invited me over. That's and wonderful. It showed me that, you know, in, in the mature world, right, in the professional world, there is yes. no animosity whatsoever. Right. Um, and I think there was probably a benefit to going outside the community and bringing in a neutral. Right. You know, Absolutely. And, and they said I did a good job, so and I felt good about it. Has there been this joint type type? ad hoc committee between the two councils never, before? Never, never. So it this, speaks to this the was importance a between the history two committees. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I was, I was proud to do it. I was inspired, and, and Bob was one of the people that helped inspire me. Yeah. yeah. I'd like to talk about 
our fourth annual Lantern Walk. Lantern Walk. Okay. Uh, and I happen to have brought with me two lanterns. Uh, now for the fourth year, we're going to have, uh, it's always the first Saturday after Memorial Day, June 1st, um, a commemoration of the past, which is what Elisha Converse and the hospital have given us for 100 years, mm -hmm. um, a celebration in the present, uh, activities for children, and you'll hear more about that in a second. And grown-ups. And grown-ups, oh. all ages, but particularly families, um, eats, and culminating in a beautiful walk around the pond to say not only there's something in the past that needs to be remembered, but there's something in the future that needs to continue what was in the past, and a little kind of a very mild-mannered demonstration uh, with the voice of the people saying, a public hey, space. we want this public space uh, to happen. So it's, a, it's those three things. There's a lot of fun, it's the past, and it's what we want to have the future. So these are the lanterns, if you can It's so a two-liter bottle. Is mm -hmm. it? You can start collecting them Soda now and bottle. bring your um, and, the, and there's a candle in there. Down. Is that the only uh, place that, that uh, America adopted the metric system was two liters of soda? <laughs> <laughs> soda? <laughs> when I was a kid, they yeah. said it was coming. The metric system is coming. And it only came in the form of uh, Coca-Cola. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can design them anyway. This is glue and tissue paper, and they really glow beautifully. Um, yeah. So you can bring your own, or there are workshops all around. I know... Uh, are we going to be doing any at the elementary schools again? Yep, they're being, uh, I forget which school, but they every year they make some, and we sell them as a fundraiser um, for the whole project, the five bucks. Uh, and, and But people come and make them. Mm -hmm. So there's a lantern-making workshop, yep. for uh, again, for all ages. And then here's the poster from the first year that we did it. I don't know if, if we can get this mm, visible. Yeah. But th that's but gonna show the wrong date though, so maybe we should. The only it. way, so, it's, maybe it's better at a distance then. Yeah, <laughs> better, but it's just a lovely it's work of art done by a teenager. Uh, those walkers you see silhouetted were done by a teenager named Ryan Kelly, And um, so that's just a, 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 a proud relic from, our, from the past of the Lantern Walk. But, a big theme of the of the Lantern Walk every year has been um, activities for children, and particularly an activity that this lady brought across the mountain to us called the Puff Up Playground. Good lord! Uh, I think <laughs> exaggerate it, much. Uh, so, or Hospital Hill. Yeah, there you go. But uh, I'd like to give her a chance to talk about um, because she's passionate for for what open space and for, for the right kind of play space does for, for children, um, because she and her people are gonna be there doing a pop-up uh, playground again. And uh, a little, would you do a little pitch for, sure. for what that's gonna be? Um, so I studied children's play and child development and became aware of these things called adventure playgrounds, which were started in the 40s in Copenhagen and then moved over to London and are characterized by they're kind of also known as junk playgrounds, and they're characterized by loose parts, which are things that kids can pick up and build with and move and um, mm. and destroy if they want to, and things that adults have decided they don't want anymore. So the kids really have freedom. So there's loose parts, freedom, and then the adults who started staffing these spaces because the original ones were kind of bombed out sites in Copenhagen, and they were like, we should probably take out the shrapnel. Um, <laughs> 
they they took this approach of like I'm not here to teach the kids anything. I'm just here to protect their play. Yeah. And they're now called play workers. And there is a whole system in the UK of of play worker education and it's coming across the pond and it's really exciting and I'm part That's of great. a growing national movement of play workers um, who are trying to reclaim some play for childhood. Um, so I'm interested in kids' use of public space and the way that we design play environments and the playgrounds today are very narrowly defining play and they're very adult-driven environments where kids can go basically across, uh, up, across, and down and variations on that theme, mm -hmm. um, and they're not good enough. And they're designed for adult aesthetics, and children play on them in ways that the equipment's not designed to support. There's all sorts of things, and I can talk about that maybe mm -hmm. another time. I'd yeah. love to talk yeah, yeah. about play. Um, but And we don't see kids in communities. And so one of the biggest ideas is both valuing children as citizens of today, because I think that we tend to think of, oh, we've done the library and the school, and therefore like we've considered children. But they can't get to the playgrounds that we build for them because of traffic. Um, right. They're not welcome to participate in, in, like, if you see, particularly teenagers or, or tweens, right, out on a street corner, then they're clearly a menace. Um, and they're told by their communities they're not welcome or valued. And, um, and younger children aren't able to play independently, and we're, we're missing something here. Yeah. Um, so if you see children out in public space, two things happen. They are both a symptom of and drivers of healthy communities. So when you see kids out playing, you say, oh, wow, this must be a safe community. There are children here. Like, we'd better keep making it safe. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you see that it, it must be safe. And also, you think, we probably better make it a safe community or a safe place for children because they're here. Right. But when we don't let children be out, you don't see them, and what we don't see, we don't value. Um, so there's an organization called Pop-Up Adventure Play, and it's um, a remarkable organization that was has some roots in Boston, but um, largely in the UK, and they are training people on how to take this adventure playground model into communities. Sounds like fun. It's super I, I, fun. I want to go out and play now. I mean, if you think about how you played as a kid. Yeah. Um, you ran around you know, all over the place. You ran around all over the place. Yeah. You were probably doing something that adults maybe didn't want you to do. Maybe it was a little risky. Dangerous. Oh, yeah. Right? Lots of dangerous um, activities. Yep. And there are all sorts of develop developmental benefits from that, um, as well as community building and independence. And, um, yeah. But uh, adventure playgrounds often have their fixed sites, and they often let kids play with hammer and nails and build their own... Mm -hmm. play spaces, so mm -hmm. a, a pop-up adventure playground, um, takes that model and this I, this profession of play work um, and brings it to cardboard boxes and duct tape and fabric and clothespins and all sorts of odd items that yeah. might have good play value um, and that adults don't care about because they're the kid, at a pop-up adventure playground a child is not going to be told like eh, Grammy bought that for you like don't right. don't break it don't whatever right, right. Um, and they're remarkable pop-up makes me think though that it just sprung up today and it's going to be gone tomorrow and it's going to be gone tomorrow gonna... so you go to oh that's parks. really what it is yeah that's really what it is so okay. I'm going to bring a bunch of cardboard boxes huh. And, and people who are trained to take this, uh, this particular approach of supporting children without directing their play. We're not gonna ask them to count how many wheels are on their race car, right? Their cardboard box race car. We're gonna say, that looks fast. 
Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, there's no teaching in these moments because Just kids are the... Not even so, that. No. So adults in this space only play if they're invited. <laughs> okay. Kids are the experts. And they, they know how to play. We know how to play. Part of the problem is adults don't play enough. Yeah. And so we tend to want to take over the play. We're like, oh, I love that box fort. That's yeah. so cool. Why don't we do this, right? And then you realize yeah. the child is gone. We call that adulteration. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and then we'll clean it all up. And if that's something that interests you, you can contact me at um, playfulpelican.com or my Facebook page is playfulpelicanma. And um, if... You want to learn more about Playwork, please reach out. Okay. And, and we've got your name spelling there yes. on the TV, so. Yes. Thank okay. you. And if you want to see it uh, pop up Playground in action, come on June 1st. Yes, come on June to the 1st. Walk, right. To the walk, Linton Walk. Um, three years we've had you. Uh, two years. I think so. Two so, years. Yeah. And then and, I had a baby, and it was uh, just, uh, I, I, I tried to play work while, like, seven months pregnant, and I was, I've never been so tired in my entire life. Yeah, wow. <laughs> um, but, but we've but seen the kids come alive, and, and it's they're like playing magnets. Until so nine. we're going to see a pop-up park in action during yes. the Lantern Walk. Yeah, at so Fellsmere it's, it's Pond. Of, at Fellsmere Pond. Mm-hmm. And, at, and at did you give them bumps. the date? Give them the date? June 1st. June 1st. Saturday, June 1st. Dusk. At dusk. We're going to be doing a, a, a yeah, what's commercial. Dusk? When, when is dusk? So I think it starts around 5 or 5.30. Okay. Because the, 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 I, I, I want people back home yeah, to yeah. be clear on this. But the actual walk around the park it's, at dusk will happen at 8, 8.15-ish. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, right, right. But right before before that, so for little ones, it can be a little bit of a late night, but um, mm. but I think it's worth it, and they can play. Um, and I think... Well, no know, one says you have to stay till late. Right, that's yeah. true. Yeah. So come early and play with boxes and get to know the... I think that the point is to get to know the organization and, and to think about all the things that we could do together if we know about the project, and you can set, sign up for the mailing list for the friends and, yeah. um, and really see what... I think at that point, we'll have had the, the BAC... Reveal, yes. Uh, it'll be close. It'll be close. Okay. I'm yeah. not sure it'll be run, done for that. Um, so we have about uh, 15, 14 minutes left. Um, I want to say a couple more things about the sure. about the lantern walk. Yeah, by all um, means. One is that a big purpose of the lantern walk is to bring Melden and Malden and Medford together. To invite uh, your neighbors. So, so the invite your. Uh, this is going out to a Malden. Uh, audience, yep. invite your Medford friends. Well, come come yourself, um, <laughs> and and make a lantern and help. It's a very um, uh, exciting, uh, inspirational kind of a time. Tons of fun. I mean, there'll be a magician there. There'll be a face painter. There'll mm-hmm. there'll be, um, and there's actually something for for tweens called parkour that we're hoping to have. We're we're still putting together the funding to make that. That possible, um, which is more, uh, let's say, uh, getting in touch with your evol- evolutionary movement roots, jumping yeah. and climbing, and yeah, thank some you, cool thank people you. doing that stuff. Um, yeah, so yeah, that's good something for, you. for all ages, um, and then the, just the joy of having all ages together in one setting is yeah. really special because you don't see that very often. And Usually I'd say it's not just for it's not just a kids event. So like I think that sometimes when it's framed as a, as a kids event or a family event, then maybe families or grownups who don't have kids or have grown kids are like, oh, that's not for me. But it's really a community. It's kind of like a big block party. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. 
Good. But but not in the street. Right. It's in the park. It's in the park. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so yeah, it's good. It's, so it's, it's for a good cause. It's and it's a lot of fun and it creates community. So, uh, on May 11th, uh, MATV is having a, a day in which community. They're live day. What is it? Live. MATV live. MATV They've, live. They're live and, all afternoon. And and the the lantern walk will be featured in a five minute spot <laughs> for, uh, on on that day and the. the There'll be a flyer out soon, and we'll we'll be in the paper. So you'll all information that you need. Um, and I want to say that Shanine's influence, with a concern for what public open space does for kids, has definitely been part of the of the evolution of Friends of Felsner Heights and what we want to see happen up there. There'll be, a, for instance, what about an athletic field? How about an uh, a multi-use open field that isn't just c confined right. to one or, or another sport, and and so on. You know, the sports like the sports leagues might argue that they don't have space, but it's better scheduling that would fix that problem. We don't need another soccer field. Yeah, yeah. Um, what I would like to see is some historical reference mm -hmm. to the the people and the groups like Junior Aid that share that Malden Hospital history. You know, yeah. I don't want people to forget that, that for 100 years, this was a major birthing center just north of Boston, and that this is where the Malden community went for their health care, including me when I was a kid and I broke my arm in high school. Right. Um, I, I think it would be wonderful to have some historical markers that uh, celebrate that history and mm -hmm. educate. We have a lot of turnover in our communities. Um, I don't know as much about Medford as I do Malden, mm -hmm. but a lot of people move out, a lot of new people move in. I, I actually, you know, I, I love meeting the new people. Um, but we want them to share in our history and have community right. pride as well. And when I did that ballot question, Bob, back in 2015, we took this question to all the voters. And we, we put questions to the council, too, to see, you know, hey, look, can we really force this issue of adding some open space and doing something good up there? And the question that was on the ballot, remember we talked about the wording of this thing, it was, you know, would you support some public acquisition, you know, in other words, your tax money, to being um, to adding some open space and celebrating the history of Malden Hospital and That's the right. groups that it's won. And we got 77% of respondents citywide, voters citywide, uh, 10 minutes, folks, 10 minutes, 77% yep. citywide, 79% in Ward 3 Malden, which is the surrounding community of that okay. hospital, got behind the idea of, of the, the, the government or the community being part of the solution. Yeah. And then we went to the council and said, would you support some of our cash reserves, we're about $15 million in cash reserves, going to being part of the solution up in Malden Hospital um, to the tune of $5 million. And we got a unanimous vote of the council. Of course, there's nothing binding about that. The council can't spend money. The mayor has to uh, um, go to the council and say, this is my plan okay. for a money expenditure. Um, but the council did send that signal to the community and the mayor that, hey, look, we're behind an answer here at Malden Hospital. Yeah. And so is 80% of the community. And we have the resources to do it. So, you know, let's get off our rump and do something about it. I think that's one of the important things to know about the Friends Group is that um, we've been not only kind of thinking about the survey and, and talking with neighbors about what, what all of us would like to see there, but also doing a lot of work of what are the grants, how could we be eligible, yeah. what are different models that other communities have used to fund land like this, what yep. are the legal ramifications of different ways that all of this could be organized, yeah. um, and so and doing some of the initial kind of grant writing or doing nonprofit 
uh, or not nonprofit, but kind of foundation support as well. And yeah. and they've received a couple of grants to do outreach or to do the lantern walk as well. Yeah. Um, so and it's all volunteer. So if if that's a, something is of interest to anybody, like please come join us. It's felsmereheights.org. Yeah. And um, but there, I think people tend to go. Well, this sounds nice. I really like the idea of a park, but how are you going to pay for this? And like we have a lot of that. Um, that legwork done, and as soon as we, if if we could get site control, like we'd be ready to. Yeah, to that go. that is the missing linchpin to this entire mm -hmm. thing, and that's what I don't think the community understands. Because I hear a lot of folks that are speculating, oh, I heard there was a done deal and it's apartments. Well, right. that's you know I want to dispel that myth right now because we've been fighting the good fight. Um, but. Uh, yeah, there's, there's the CPA in Malden, the CPA in Medford. And having both, I believe that having both of them together, we could apply for additional funding that we wouldn't be eligible for if it were just one or the other. We just need, I'm going to say Hallmark Health, but, but truly it's Melrose Wakefield, which itself is in turn owned by... Um, Wellforce. Wellforce, right. exactly, which also owns Circle Health and Tufts Health. Right. Um, but we would need them to say, yes. Um, we will give you the ability to negotiate with us. Go right. out and see if you can pull together your funding. And once they give us that permission, it doesn't even have to be exclusive. Right. It, it could be non-exclusive. It could just say, look, we're not going to stop pursuing other opportunities, but we're going to let that Malden Medford community uh, pursue their opportunity as well. And if they were fair, if they're a good corporate citizen, they'll let us, they'll give us that opportunity to go before our CPAs, yeah. go before the grant writing. Um, and, you know, the Adelaide Baird Foundation has been extremely right. generous through the years, a Malden uh, benevolent organization that has given a million dollars to keep the old emergency room at Malden Hospital open, given a million dollars to turf the, uh, the field over in uh, Pine Banks, given money to Immigrant Learning Center. Um, given they money people to people with disabilities as well. Yes, Melbourne. people with mm -hmm. disabilities in the Davenport House, which supports the elderly. Uh, it, it's just a wonderful organization. Um, the Bread of Life, they've helped the Bread of Life. They would be there for us, mm -hmm. but no grant organization is going to be the first in. They've got to believe that it's viable, that it's feasible, right? That and we not, have to have permission to do something to the site. And you need and permission right now, from the landowner. We just have permission to have a lot of ideas. That yeah. green light. <laughs> right. no, no grant agency, government or foundation, right. uh, unless there's a, an ability That's right, to Bob. buy the land, that green light is crucial. Um, one of the pictures that we've had about what would happen in the future uh, is the model of River's Edge, where Everett and Malden working to have worked together to create something and, and to fund and to operate something and Pine Banks where Melrose and Malden have worked together to create a wonderful amenity for both cities and yeah. so Malden and Medford jointly owning jointly operating whatever is done up there that's the future that we see. Right. That uh, both cities would be able to use, like if there were a, yeah. a small community center, right, that both cities would be able to use it. Amen. Um, that would be one site. Yeah, we don't want exclusivity. We mm. want to be able to come together, neighbor and neighbor. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, and we don't want a use that's going to put 500 cars up there because the ingress, egress is just insufficient for that. Right. If you look at the Fellsway, and, you know, obviously Fulton Heights couldn't handle it. No. And you know that that's going to be a pass <laughs> If you've sat through uh, yeah. the, the stop sign at Fulton and Fulton Spring. And the skinny, little, windy Murray Hill Road couldn't handle it. Right, when it was one lane with yeah. that really bad winter. Exactly, exactly. 
And so now you're down to Savin Street, which is the bus route, and then it comes out onto Fellsmere East, Fellsway East. Uh, just look at it during rush hour, right. in the morning or the afternoon. Well, and no it's, child can cross that street safely. No, There's just not time. Exactly right. So 500 cars, I don't, I don't care what, what kind of argument you make, because I've heard them all. Uh, having 500, and I think the development was originally starting with 600, and they were like, oh, well, now with 500. They, they negotiated over the years, even they though they said— They parking study. Yeah, their last <laughs> and best offer, by the way, we got like four last and best offers, so none of them were last and best. Um, they just realized that, you know, it was a non-starter to begin with, but uh, they had enough support to keep proposing apartments. But on a positive note, I think that we're now coming together with our neighbors, and, um, and I think the two governments are coming together— and I'm very optimistic about the future. Yeah. Do I have time to tell you a story that inspires You've me? You've got three minutes, Bob. <laughs> There's a town on the Allegheny River called Aspenwall, Pennsylvania. They had um, two riverfront acres that were just nothing and were about to be sold by the owner, and they wanted to buy it. Mm. And, said, and the owner gave them a year to come up with $2 million dollars. Yeah. What do I say? Did I say 20 acres? I said two acres. 20 okay, acres. 20 acres. Yep. 20 acres. Yeah, I thought it was really And they horrible. went to work having bake sales and dances and approaching local businesses and putting together, I don't know, something, maybe they came up with $12,000 by two communities working together. But the Heinz Foundation and Mellon Bank and some other foundations heard about that, challenged each other to do matching funds, and by the end of the year, building from the base up, inspiring the, 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 the donors, the uh, yep. non-government donors, foundation donors, um, they got their $2 million, and they got their park. And that's yeah. been, that lit my fire, and that fire's been, been burning in me ever since. Same story at the High Line Park in New York City. So this was, oh, really? yep, this was an elevated railway, which, you know, we don't use anymore. We don't build these things anymore, and they're kind of going away. We lost a lot of those in, in, in Boston. But uh, they wanted to turn it into a park. And uh, it, with beautiful views of New York. And they started with a group like yours. I've been on part of that. They inspire, it, it is yeah. gorgeous. It's very cool. If you haven't been there, check it out next time you're in New York City. What part of New York? Uh, it's right in Manhattan. Yeah. I couldn't tell you if that's okay. Midtown or, or, you know, I couldn't tell yeah. you. Yeah. But uh, it is absolutely gorgeous. Um, and that's how change happens. Uh, and by the way, you mentioned River's Edge. Um, that had to be taken part of that adversely. Uh, the, the, the communities, all three communities worked together, and we actually took some of that land by eminent domain. And, and look at what a better use it is now. Instead of a polluted area, we've got a boat launch. and right. we've Habitat got restoration. Habitat, yes, right. exactly, exactly. And, and some, some additional housing, and sometimes that type of housing makes sense. I'm getting the wrap-it up from Claire. I want to thank the folks that really make this show happen in the control room. That's James Mudge and Claire and all the folks here at MT MATV, how wonderful they are. Uh, I want to I want to thank my guests, Shanine uh, um, uh, Peliquin and Bob Doolittle, and friends of Fellsmere Heights. I want to thank all of you for watching. It's a great honor for me to be able to host this show. Please keep tuning in. We'll try to keep giving you exciting guests, folks. Any last words? Fellsmereheights.org. Yeah, yeah, good good or one. On Facebook. Good one, Bob. Let's put the fun back in fundraising. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> all right. Um, so uh, Claire, I think we're ready to wrap this one up. Thanks, John. Uh, yeah, my pleasure. And uh, thank all of you at home. I hope you had a wonderful holiday last weekend. Take care. I'll see you next time.